What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Fight Like Hell podcast, episode 85, coming to you on a Thursday, March 9th in the year 2023, in case you're listening to us and maybe 2027. Yeah, let's not go too far tonight. <laughs> I'll just go a little bit in the future. I got my heterosexual life mate over here to my left. Austin, how are you doing? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing really good. We got some special announcements to make, and uh, we also have a special guest. Would you mind introducing our guests? Yeah, I mean, we got a good guest on tonight. I think it'll be a good episode. Um, we got we got Matt Klein on. How's it going, Matt? What's going on, guys? How are you? Good, man. Pretty good. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt. So, um, I'm a recently retired NYPD detective sketch artist. I did. Um, I was in the U.S. Army earlier on towards Iraq. Four years with. Uh, U.S. Army's 3rd Infantry Division. And I was Iraq 03, 05, got out, became a police officer, had some artistic background, found out about a sketch artist unit, and did that for another eight years and just recently retired. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Awesome. We'll definitely get into more on your background here. But first, we got to hit our sponsors and go over a couple other special announcements. And then we're definitely going to get into a little bit more on that. Our first official sponsor of the hey, fight, like hey, hey, what? hey! Before you get into that, why don't you do the big bold capital things that are right there in your face? Oh yeah, promote ourselves. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. You always, always forget. forget. Like it's right there. <laughs> so what we used to do, Matt, at, was we'd always promote ourselves at the end of the podcast, and you know, like some people check out then they hear ATI, they don't really need to hear us kind of wrap up the episode, and we don't tell anyone to like share the episode until the very end. So they would have to stick with us until the end. And, you know, luckily and amazingly, we're actually heard in like, I think like 16 or 19 different countries. That's cool. And, and it's crazy because we have people write into us from like South Africa and yeah, Ireland and like that's awesome. Australia. We're like, what the fuck? Why are people listening <laughs> to us over there? That's wild. And everyone is super supportive and, you know, it's behind the fight like help mission. But with that being said, if this is your first time listening, if this is your 85th time listening to us ramble, please do us a favor. If you like this podcast or you're interested in the stuff that Matt's about ready to explain to us and you enjoyed the episode, please go out there and share the episode go out there and share our podcast in general. Try to help us get out there a little bit more. And if you know of someone or you want to come on the podcast, please reach out to us in our DMs and we will see what we can do about getting you on. All right. There we go. I promote ourselves. Okay. Good job. Good job. You'll always skip over that. Okay. I guess we should go into the next announcement that's even more important too. Yeah, man. So this is kind of interesting, Matt. You might think this is cool yesterday actually marked our two-year anniversary oh, congratulations podcast. yeah Very cool. yeah <clears throat> most podcasts fail at about 10 mm. we're 85 in That's good and we hit our two-year mark two yesterday. years of putting up with your bullshit <laughs> i mean it's longer than that when it comes to like business well, i mean i mean yeah with the podcast but, uh, on this podcast yeah, no, it's it's a pretty cool accomplishment because, I mean, the only reason why I want to touch on it for a second is there's a lot of times we do this podcast. And I know we've said this at nauseum for those who have listened for a long time. Austin and I get a little bit, 
um, I'm trying to think of the word. Like, it, it it's not that it becomes repetitive. It's just, just it's a lot out. of work. Burnt yeah. out. Exactly. We get burnt out on doing the podcast. But then when we skip a week or we skip an episode, you guys usually let us hear. And then when we actually do the episodes, when we have people on like Matt or any of our other, you know, probably like 70 guests at this point, every single time Austin and I at the end of the show say, holy shit, that was worth it. That was a great episode because literally the people that come on the podcast as our guests are what makes this show special. So we appreciate people like Matt being on here and we appreciate you celebrating our second year of doing this. And uh, yeah, we'll get into the show. Let's, you know what? I don't even want to do the promos. I feel like we wasted a lot of time with that. Like, let's just get into it. Yeah, fuck our promotions. <laughs> fuck our promotions. We're going to lose our sponsors in our second. <laughs> yeah, no, let's, let's just get into it. Weekends Adventures. So, Matt, this is a section that we usually talk about things that we did either the previous weekend or plans we have for the upcoming weekend. We'll start off with Austin because he's always very short about this. Awesome. What did you do last weekend? I mean, the only thing I've done in the past like week is yesterday was my wife's birthday. So <laughs> Shout out, Jess. Happy yeah. birthday, Jess. The elusive which is Jess funny. Which is funny. On. Which is funny because we started this podcast two years ago on her birthday. <laughs> they were fighting that night, and Austin did <laughs> definitely did not get lucky that night. Uh, fuck you! I'm doing. A, I'm starting a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, you, and we have to talk about that every year now. Like, we're like, should we do the podcast on Jess's birthday? So the other day, he was he was talking to us, or I was talking to him. I was like, tell Jess we're doing the podcast on her birthday, and I could hear in the background, "Fuck you, we're not doing the podcast on <laughs> my birthday." You did that to me two years ago, and you threatened me with it every year. Like, yeah, it's gonna be a thing. <laughs> But, so, but yeah, that's that's the only thing I did for Weekend Adventures. What did what did you guys do for her birthday? Went out and spent way too much money, um, and then went out to dinner. Okay, where'd you guys go to dinner? Um, it's it's a pizza restaurant here. It's called Kaleidoscope. Okay, dope, dope. Um, I'm sure Matt down there knows a lot about pizza because he's yeah. From- <laughs> the king, uh, he, the king he, of pizza. He doesn't- he knows about like thin crust pizza, like New York style of pizza. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Like, he, he ain't know nothing about pizza. That's fighting words, man. I don't know. Dude, I can hear the New York accent when you talk. I, oh. I love it. I love it. It's that's so cool. All right, let's let's turn it over to you, Matt, so you can talk a little bit. What have well, you done either the previous weekend or what do you got coming up this weekend? Um, you know, not much. Just you know, run around. I'm getting my kids and stuff. You know, I get my kids every other weekend. So, you know, getting ready to gym, hang out with them, go to the movies. I think we're going to go to the movie Sunday. But um, mostly I do is I just draw a lot, you know. So the art, the artist thing has not stopped since I've retired from the NYPD. I just keep drawing and drawing. I have all these different projects lined up, and I'm just knocking them out and having a good time. That's it. Staying busy, you know. Okay. Okay. What uh, what movie do you guys think you'll go see? 65. So what is that? Big, 65 never yeah heard of it. no never so um yeah i'm a big obviously a big nerd and um what do you call it? it's a movie was it what's his name he was a marine adam driver oh, okay. he's, yeah. in a, he's in a spaceship colonizing some oh. planet and he crashes and there's dinosaurs and shit yes yeah Yo, this is good, 
So it looks really Dude. good. My, yeah, it looks yes. pretty good. And the people that wrote Quiet Place wrote it. So my fingers oh, okay. crossed. That was a good be, movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. good movies. So, yeah. you, you know the actor, right, Austin? Yeah, I, I know who. Of course, Kylo, of course Kylo I know who Adam Driver is. Yeah. Of course I Okay, yeah. yeah. Dude, that dude is such <laughs> a badass. And he has, like, no social media. Yeah, I, yeah. I respect that so much to be that famous and have no, like, social media presence. He might have Twitter, but I yeah. know he doesn't have Instagram. Yeah. And... I mean, I don't really check on Facebook, but I'm assuming yeah. he doesn't really use Facebook. But I mean, yeah, look, look, look forward to it. Yeah, okay, that cool. should be really good, though. Oh, my God. I might have to. I, I want to yell this right now because Amanda's don't actually in my house. But like, <laughs> we need, I need to go see that this weekend. Austin, remind me. I, I want to go see that movie. <laughs> okay, cool. So sounds like you have a, a fun weekend coming up. And then... I guess for me, what did I do last weekend? I was in Sedona. You went to Sedona. Yep, yep. The the pups and I. So since you're obviously not tracking my backstory in life, Matt. Um, my Maybe fiance, you should be. Jeez. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> my, my fiance just moved up from Texas about two weeks ago, two mm-hmm. and a half weeks ago. Yeah, about and two weeks ago. She moved in with her dog. We both have the same type of dog. They're both outdoorsy types of dogs. And we did a whole bunch of outdoorsy shit out here because we're out in Arizona. I live and work at the Grand Canyon. Oh, very cool. So, yeah. So we had a pretty dope weekend. And then this weekend, from what I understand, we are relaxing because we did You're going to go see a movie, right? Oh, on Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, 100%. <laughs> I, I'm going to text her right now so I don't forget. And you can get You're like, we're the... going to Flagstaff. <laughs> and you're going to go see a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. You get into the next part, Austin. I'm making sure that I don't forget this. I have to see this movie. <laughs> okay, I, saw yeah, the, so... I saw the previews. It looks sick. Yeah. So... So let's get into let's get into a little bit about you, Matt. Let's get into your backstory. We, we like to start from the day that you're born um, until <laughs> until now. You know how much you weighed and all that. And, uh, uh, yeah. So let's get into like why you joined the military, what made you decide to join the military, what you did, all that. All right. So I mean, I grew up in New York, Long Island. Um, growing up, one of the things my grandfather was a World War II veteran. He was a dive bomber pilot. He served on the U.S. Ticonderoga. He fought in Okinawa, uh, Iwo Jima, Guadalcanal, and um, did a lot. And I remember growing up with those stories, and he was very vivid about all the different stuff. His brother got killed. His brother was a, uh, a navigator on a B-17 Flying Fortress and was shot down over mm-hmm. Germany and killed. And um, so I always grew up with those stories. And I remember him telling me, like, Pearl Harbor, you know, he just he was like him and his brother. They went and they friggin' signed up together. and. You know, he went to the, the Army Air Corps, which ended up being the Air Force, and then he went into the Navy and um, just always grew up with that, you know, that loss that he had and everything. And my dad didn't serve in the military. My dad was an artist. He was a crazy artist, very talented, worked for Warner Brothers Disney, did a lot of design work, cartoons, animation. Wow. He did everything. So I always grew up with that. Never thought it would ever be like, to me, I was never like a career thing. You do very well and then do very poorly. So it was always kind of like, I always mm-hmm. kind of like wanted the, the stable stableness so then flash forward 9-11 happens and that was like Pearl Harbor to me I wanted to get into the fight so yeah. how how so how old were you when 9-11 happened um I, I graduated high school in 99 so I was probably was it like what 20 
20 when okay. it happened. Okay. And, and you were in New York when that happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what was your perspective on that whole situation? Yeah. I, I mean, my, yeah. So I, I live on Long Island. Long Island's like a island that hangs off of New York. So it was, you know, it was pretty mm -hmm. far from me. But I remember I carpooled in with my manager. I was working in retail. And she was a, a girl I went to high school with. And we're driving. I, and we came over the radio that a plane had hit. So instantly I thought like Cessna, like a small little plane, you know, accidentally right. veered off and hit it. So then we get to the, we get to the work and we worked it out in the outlets and um, we, we turn on the news right away and you hear like a second plane hit. We, I'm like, Oh shit, that's terrorism. Turn on the TV and you see this, you know, diehard, you know, Michael Bay fireball explosion. <laughs> it's the most unfucking real thing ever. And I'm like, Oh shit. And, that, and the, the outlets were quiet. All the different retail stores, everybody's quiet. People are coming outside talking and stuff. So I, I call my father and my dad's like, yo, they just hit the fucking Pentagon. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I'm like, no way. We're the strongest military in the entire planet. And they just hit the they hit the Pentagon and it's on the news. They just hit the Pentagon. So but then, you know, it just um, what do you call it? Everybody left work early. Everybody went home and just watched TV, you know, watch the president, you know, George Bush uh, mm -hmm. Jr. on TV and just, you know, watch it unravel and stuff. But, um, you know. A little far removed from it, you know, I wasn't down there at Ground Zero, but it was definitely right. a, a very um, emotional. I'm still yeah, and so but still you're, local you're to you, though. Way yeah. closer than, yeah. oh, than most, most people. people. Very yeah. Emotional. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So you and I are pretty much the same age. I bet. What are you like? 40? 41? 41? 41? Okay, I'm forty. Okay. Yeah. And I, I was good age, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. starts breaking, <laughs> dude. That's how I feel. Like nah. everything just hurts. <laughs> thirty-eight but was a motherfucker. <laughs> thirty-eight was a motherfucker. Even though, like Austin over there is fucking. What are you? I'm thirty-one. One now. You just thirty-one. 31. <laughs> yeah, he's still a child, but he's falling apart because he was infantry as well. So, no, all right, cool, very cool. Take, take us to what happened post September 11th, because you said you enlisted in the army, correct? Yeah. And what did yep. you do in the army? So, um, you know, I, you know, they, they had a quick response to nine 11. They started sending people to Afghanistan. It, it popped off a little bit, got quieter. I started watching, you know, I was watching the news like all the time, like kind of unhealthily. And, um, I saw like the invasion of Iraq getting ready to kick off. So to me, I'm like, I want to get a piece of that. And like, based on, I was a big history guy. Like, you look at Desert Storm, I thought the invasion of Iraq would be like a flash in the pan. Like, if you didn't get on that bus, you were going to miss it. Like, the thing would probably last a couple months, and that would be the end of it. You know, amazing. That, it, insanely, it goes on for years and years and years. So mm -hmm. I went to the recruiters, and I was like, listen, I'm like, I want to go, but, like, I want to I want to get in the action. Like, I want to fight. Like, mm -hmm. and um, I, I picked all these units I wanted to go to. I'm like, oh, can I get, it? like, a contract to, like, 101st, 82nd, 10th Mountain, something like that. And they gave me like a list of like units I never even knew. So one of them was uh, Third Infantry Division, and they were like, I was like, um, I'm like, I don't know about any of these units, blah, blah. and the guys like, listen, you want to see fucking combat? He's like, I swear to God, Third ID is gonna go. He's like, I'm telling you, I'm like, it's already in the plans. I have friends, First Brigade's gonna deploy. They're gonna be the spearhead, a hundred percent. They're gonna come from the south, and I was like, all right, and I trusted them, and. Um, he was right. You know, like I went to the right, uh, right brigade and everything like that. So then I went, you know, for 2003, I wasn't there for the invasion. I got there late. I got to the train up, you know, basic and AIT and everything. But mm -hmm. um, I, I got to take part a little bit in uh, OIF one. 
Okay. And um, where where was Third Brigade out of? Third Brigade at that time was out of Fort Benning. So okay. third, third Infantry Division had three brigades. One and two were at Fort Stewart, and Third Brigade was at Fort Benning. So that that had to be interesting because we're both us and I are infantry as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you basically completed AIT and then you you stayed at Benning. No, I went to Stewart. I'm an idiot. I stayed in Georgia. You stayed in Georgia. Sorry. Yeah, I stayed in Georgia. Yep. Brain brain fart for a second. But you stayed in Georgia <laughs> and then you went. Okay. All right, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so then, what year, what what time frames were you over there? Because it's really similar so, to my time frames. So I didn't get so the invasion kicked off about March night, March nineteenth of two thousand three, and Correct. they they did they did the push. So I, I was in first brigade. So they, I was attached. I was in two seven infantry attached to three six nine armor. They went over the berm. They pushed through the Carbala Gap. Did the thunder run? Took um, my battalion took over the airport. So I show up about over a month later in the April. And what happened was I went there as a replacement for guys that were killed or had family emergencies that had to get back to the rear. So I went with my chalk. It was crazy. We flew like Delta airline out of uh, Hunter army airfield. Mm-hmm. Like I would say about two thirds of the plane were not filled. So like we we're in this, we were like had all the room in the world. We get there. They didn't really know what they were doing with us. We get to Kuwait, we get to um, Doha, put us on a C-130 flies right into Baghdad. Like, fre- you know, Baghdad's like international airport was like freshly taken over. Like, you know, over a month and um we met up with our unit and then we we all got divvied up between different platoons and the companies and um we just did missions and stuff like that and did you know basic stuff in the city nothing really crazy i didn't really see any combat there you know like mm-hmm. pretty much like the shock and awe like my opinion like beat the shit out of the iraqis like they had the insurgency which like in its infancy they really know what was going on like they really got taken out like we were just driving around no problems ever we were in light skin Humvees. We had the Bradleys. You know, there was a couple times I did trips in deuce and a half unarmored deuce and a half trucks. So like we're all pulling security with our legs dangling off the sides. So, <laughs> yeah. So we end up redeploying back to Stewart in um, September, and that's when the insurgency started like start you know manifesting. Like first armored division was taken over, and they're the ones that were just getting hit like nonstop. So like the ugliness that you know eventually became the war started to emerge. So. But then um, 2004, we did another train up and then I went back to Iraq for my second tour. And that's the blood and guts combat that, uh, you know, I saw all over there. And that was the whole year of uh, 2005. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, we were, so you got there a little bit before I did. I ended up showing up with second ID, the first strike uh, uh-huh. that went yeah. over in like 2003. Yep. But at the end of 2003, Okay. Baghdad was already secured. The yep. war was technically over. Yep. But we we were <laughs> the first we were the first units to push up into like Mosul and like okay. secure secure some of those LZs, secure some of the the areas that became like bases. And mm-hmm. um <clears throat> Fort Carson, I'm sorry. Uh no, Fort Lewis. Fort Lewis. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. yep. Fort Lewis, first striker unit that went out yep. there. But then when our deployment was coming to an end, we just had on a guy like two, three weeks ago that actually replaced my mm-hmm. unit and was in from 2004 into 2005, where it got, bad. Messy. <laughs> it got really bad because, 
you know, for, for a long time, like we saw a lot of combat in, in our deployment. However, the IEDs that they were using weren't strong enough to penetrate the hole of like the strikers. So mm-hmm. if we hit a, if we hit one with our striker, we just roll over it. Their best chance of killing us were like outside of the striker. And that's how they got some of their like confirmed kills on, on us at least. Um, <clears throat> so fast forward, we leave country you guys are back in country. When did you show up? And you said 2004 or 2005? 2005. We showed up like early January 2005. And I went okay. to Samara, Samara and I replaced uh, 1st Infantry Division. Like 2006. Okay. Yeah. Dude, my first mission I ever did in Iraq was in Samara. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we had, we had four KIA on the first mission out there. Like it was like... Samara was a tough area. Yeah. All right. Take it. Take us through that. Take us. Take it smart. Yeah. So, so like the invasion, there wasn't a lot of um dismount like action, not mm-hmm. as much like from from my my unit from the stories that they told me and everything. It was a lot of mounted vehicle like combat. Like so, like a lot of Bradley gunners were just like murking people all over the fucking place. Mm-hmm. Like the Kabbalah Gap was a turkey shoot down at the airport. You know. There was a, they actually engaged a couple T-72s. They had the first javelin kill was Bravo com- from Bravo Company 27 Infantry. They blew two, um, T-72 up at the airport. There's like famous footage. So a lot of the guys I was with were just like grizzled veterans. And there wasn't that much of a changeover between my, that first deployment and the second one. So I was going with like some really OG bad motherfuckers for the next tour. So they were telling us about Samara was just like a really, really bad city. It was like in the Sunni Triangle or whatever. So pretty much the basic the basic backstory of Samar was they bypassed it during the invasion and um they went back in there occasionally to go check it out and they'd always get attacked. There was always ambush, IED out and everything. So they went in there, they did a uh, first infantry division, sent a um, uh, a whole attack in there. I think a whole brigade they went in there and they killed like a ton of people and it was like I think it was on the Easter Sunday in two thousand four, and then they just fell back and they're like, you know, it's not even worth it. Then they, they were kept getting attacked from there and having problems with it. So in October of 2004, they're like, we're going back in there. We're going to establish a patrol base in the center of the city so we can launch operations and keep eyes on them. The insurgents won't be able to do dick because we'll be there, you know, all the time. So they did. They launched Operation Baton Rouge. I think it was October 19th. Excuse me. They go in there. They kill like another 150 people. They, they take over a, a school building in the middle of the city. and um, they fortify it. They blow, destroy all the buildings around it, so it has like a good, you know, um, standoff with the city. And they name it um, Patrol Base Uvani after um, a Pennsylvania National Guard soldier that was killed during the attack. And then they were in there, and they were just attacked all the time. But they were able to respond and you know go right out and attack back and and really fight the insurgency. So we roll. So we hear all this, and we roll up, roll up there in um, in January two thousand five, and like we day one we were getting attacked there and everything and it just kept going and going but it was definitely definitely a wild experience you you want to know like day one there dude yeah i mean so i'll give you an example so day one the closest fob forward observation base to us was brassfield mora and uh, i think it was like about 40 minutes outside the city so Mm -hmm. i was a i was mechanized we were in bradley's 
and I have nothing. A lot of people talk shit about Bradley's and all the stuff. They made that movie Pentagon Papers. I have nothing bad to say about it. It was they majority of the time took the IEDs. Twenty five. Dude, it's like a it's guns. a mini tank, man. You know, it's, it's like got a tow mini... missiles. It's, yeah, dude, they're badass. It's an awesome support by fire, um, just platform. So as a dismount, if we got into shit and these things rolled up or they're just next to us, it was just a big deterrent and it would just lay down a lot of hell on whatever we are, you know, we were engaged with. So we roll into the city and you know, they're playing rock music. They have the iPod shuffle connected to the um, the, the freaking speakers in the back and stuff. And we're like, oh, what's this place? You know, we've seen photos of it and shit. Like, so anyway, we roll through the gate. We go into the, they have like a little motor pool. And this thing, this place is small. It's like a little school building. It's fully fortified sandbag. There's camo netting draped all over the top. Yeah, everything's barricaded. There's an entranceway with an armored personnel carrier, a 113 with a 50 cal guarding it all the vehicles lined up they have helmets with the uh, fuel like you know d- buried and dug you know down low so in case a mortar fire indirect won't hit it you know it catches on fire it'll be kind of secluded so we all get out there we meet the first infantry division guys and we're like hey what's going on they bring us into this little dining facility and um outside you hear boom 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 what the fuck one of my squad leaders comes running. And he's like, yo, shit. He's like, yo, some mortars just landed right outside there. We're like, get the fuck out. He's like, no, nah, man, they just fucking landed. We're like, all right. They bring us up. They bring us up to our living quarters. It was on the third floor. And there was all different, like, little classrooms that they cleared out. And they had, you know, bunks in there and cots and stuff. And um, they're like, all right, this is going to be a room until we, you know, move out. They're going to do, like, a right sea ride thing. Show us how to go about it, And then they're going to leave. And then we take over. So while we're in that room, the machine gun bunkers are right above us. They start fucking going at him. And there's like dust settling to the ceiling. We're all looking at each other like, it's going to be a good year here. It's a lot. Yo, just fucking, they're just racking rounds off. And you hear them yelling over the radio like, what the fuck's going on here? So we're all starting to settle in. And I'm like, oh shit, I left something in my track, in my Bradley. So I fucking, I'm like, yo, Sarge, I'm going to go out, Sarge, I'm going to go out there. So I go down. So I'm walking out there and you see the lines of the Bradleys. And, and we have tan Bradleys because they're the Desert Storm ones. And they have green ones because theirs came from Germany, you know, because they were all camouflaged, you know, for the fight in Europe that never happened during the Cold War. So they have their vehicles. We have our vehicles. I'm looking for my Bradley. I can't find it. So I'm like, oh, I look, it's getting fuel blowing in the corner. I'm like, I'll just, you know, I'll fucking, when it comes back, I'll go back out there. So I spin around to walk away, you know, back into the building. And um, a fucking mortar hits like fucking 60, 70 feet away from me. Boom, hits an Iraqi soldier. And a first infantry soldier, they fucking go flying, giant dust cloud, boom! A bunch of first infantry guys run, jump, run, jump on top of them. I'm just standing there, like watching this, like what the fuck? I spin slowly and just do like a slow jog, like oh shit, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, these two dudes just got nuked with a fucking thing. So one got shrapnel in his hand, one got shrapnel in his ass. So I don't know where I'm going. So I'm just like jogging. I'm like, all right. So I fucking go around the side. I'm going the opposite direction. (laughs) It was like, you know, they got, they got grabbed up right away. Like a million people were, you know, jumped for a hero status. Like, I got you, bro. And threw them on them. So I run through the side door. It ends up being like the medical bay, like the aid station for the fucking, that first infantry has. They come in there. They throw the dudes on the stretcher. The American guy's like, fuck, man, fuck. The Iraqi guys scream and cry and shit. One of my sergeants there is just looking at me like, hmm. This is going to be fucking crazy. I'm like, yeah, man, this is going to be fucking crazy. So that was like the first day there. <laughs> we got like hit with like, I think it was like nine mortars hit, hit that. Right. And it's, it's it was like the area was probably the size of like a football field, a little more. So it was a small area, man. They were dropping those 60, 80 millimeter mortars right in on us. So, but um, yeah, it was crazy, man. That was just the start of a, a wild year. 
Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. I'm having like Allie freak out. <laughs> oh, you're not. <laughs> that's why I've been you're on mute this entire time. I've been listening. You're I, good. I figure. Tell Amanda to do her job and take care of the dogs. <laughs> I don't want to say that because I won't get laid for a while if I'm rude like that. I'll text um, her right now. <laughs> I, I thought about texting her. I'll text her. Take care. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I mean that's crazy, man. Yeah, and so. Take us through a little bit more of your deployment and or get so, us to where the police department comes in. Yeah. So, you know, just the, so the deployment, we were just fighting them all the time. So in the beginning, yeah. we, in the beginning, we would drive around and um, we were like trying to pull cars over. We were trying to find there was like them bringing weapons and uh, IEDs into the city. So we're doing different mm-hmm. types of, you know, we'd, we'd pull them over, you jump them out, pull the people to come out. Then like insurgents would see what we were doing and they attack us. We have another element set up. We started like trying to bait them. So like in an, in a Bradley platoon, there's four Bradleys and there's two infantry squads. The two infantry squads are broken down in their teams and pretty much a team and whatever extras ride on one Bradley. So what we do is we throw a squad up on a rooftop to try to draw fire to see if the insurgents can shoot at us while the other Bradleys and, and this, this mounts were all mounted up waiting to come around flank. So we would get shot at, we would engage, call out where they are and they'd swoop around and attack. It really didn't work that well. The thing that we started doing that just fucking ruined the insurgents was um, we set up these little kill teams. So at night we had a strict curfew, like shot or kill or capture, like from what do you call it? Eight at night to six in the morning. We would send uh, teams out of guys. We do four man teams, five man teams, maybe even a whole squad, and we would hide up in a building. Um, you know, pretty much the people that, that lived in the house were like held hostage; they couldn't leave. And we'd have, you know, be on the radio, and we'd have a QRF waiting, uh, quick reaction force of some Bradleys waiting for us in case we got into shit, which happened a couple times. And we'd sit there, curf- you know, the sun would come up, and we just sit there and wait. You know, sometimes it's a couple hours, sometimes it's a couple days, and we just wait for the insurgents to come out. You know, try to set up an IED, or we see them making moves with weapons and stuff, and we just kill them. We call it up on the radio in case we miss them and they escape, and then we were just freaking. Um, but by doing that, we really wiped out, you know, what was going on over there. So yeah, so 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 I brought up I brought up a Bradley's just so Bradley. people can see <laughs> what we're talking about. So I want you to show like an interior picture of the Bradley. Oh, interior uh, picture? Because, you didn't say that. You just said Bradley. I know. I said it was like Bradley, but like this is one and two because like first off, shout out Bradley because it is definitely a stronger and more powerful vehicle than the Striker, but it is very compact in the inside yeah. in comparison. Here, here to we like go. The I was in a stri- I was in a striker and like one time we were doing training and there was a striker there and like I was like, yeah. Ooh, uh, we got some room in there. So man. much more legs, room. Legs, so much more room. Legs up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we, we like bringing up pictures and stuff because uh the cool thing about this podcast is it actually can be seen on Spotify or on YouTube. So cool. occasionally yeah. like here we go. Show. There you go, right in the back. Right, oh, there you go. So you got the two yeah. benches. You got the two benches. We'd have like ammunition stored under there, and then you see that you got the turret door in the middle. Mm. So you'd have the commander, right. which would be a sergeant, and then the gunner would be to his right. And then all the way to the left, that dark little hole is where the driver would sit. So, I my Bradley got hit four times. At IEDs. I was in the back with three of them. 
So none of them penetrated, thank God. But like you know, yeah. it's definitely a definitely a shake. But um, oh, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, we had one guy, one of my buddies, lost his legs to an EPF, the uh, projectile IED, blew through underneath and took out his took his legs off. And then I had one friend that was killed. It blew a shot, the projectile shot right above like where the hatch met the hole, and and um, you know, killed them unfortunately. But um, but most of the time the Bradley did good. We had reactive armor on ours too, which is pretty nasty. So I one of um my friends Bradley's in the other platoon. He got hit with RPGs two days in a row. <laughs> and they, the the first day he got hit in the side coming in, and it, you know, and RPG flew in, hit the reactive armor, the explosive armor blew the explosion back out, and mm-hmm. then the the second day while he was rolling out. A guy hit the front of the Bradley with an RPG, and same thing. It hit the reactive armor and blew his way out. But um, yeah, that was wild, man. It was um, no joke. And I was thankfully I was with a group group of guys, and like you know, we weren't fucking playing around. And um, that was that. Okay, so and you okay, so and what was the time frame from when you got back to when you got out and decided to become a cop? So we're going to go back in time, like Quentin Tarantino style. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> we'll go back to, um, I get, I recently get back from Iraq, the first tour. And one of my buddies, he was a sergeant in my platoon. He was a fellow New Yorker. He's like, yo, bro. He's like, yo, they're giving out the fucking damn YPD test at the officers club. We should go take it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll take it when I get out. If I get out, eh, whatever. He's like, no, no, no. We need to take it. They're giving us free. We'll just go. It'll take us like whatever, two hours. Thank God I listened to him. So I go to the officers club. They had a ton of soldiers there and they had NYPD recruiters that are wearing their polos They're like, hey, guys, welcome. You know, we're giving out this test. When we get your scores back, we'll send it to you. All you have to do is get a letter signed by your CO. We'll defer your score. And as soon as you get out, you give us a call and we'll start your investigation and your processing to come into the police department. So I was like, all right. So I took the test. They sent me the I pass and everything on middle of uh, 2004. I got What's my that CO. test. What's that test look like? Uh, <laughs> So I they I've taken a couple police tests. This one, this one was pretty fair. It was um the beginning of it was like memorization, a lot of like um what the heck is it? I'm trying to think here. Uh, vocabulary comprehension, right? Um, you know, different like police things. You know, like what questions you should ask this and that. Then there was a lot of um like psychi- psychological questions and um stuff like that. And then you know that was pretty much it i've taken so many different police tests like i've taken one police test that was like a complete psychological like there was hardly any police questions and then i i took another test that was like completely just police questions so they 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 vary and also too like years now think they, they've probably definitely changed it's depending on what the department's looking for but i took the test i did well thank god i got my co to sign off a letter i sent it up to new york and they're like yep when you get out give us a call so I get out of the I ETS out of uh, the army in April of um, 2006. So I was like, what happened with me? I was in that period during stop loss, like like you guys were. If you did, um, what do you call it? If you were getting out of the army ETSing three months before deployment, you get sucked into deployment. So I had a lot of friends that were going to get, were in that October, November, December for the next um, deployment for third ID. So they just re-enlisted. They're like, screw it. Let me get the money. I'm going anyway. Me, yeah. I was like at that crossroad. I was like, I don't know, am I going to stay in? I don't know. But the reason why I went with ETS and I was like, you know, honestly, this might be a sign from God. Like, check out this NYPD thing is an opportunity. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to take this opportunity. If it works out, cool. If it doesn't, you know, I'll come back to the army. And um, 
so I get out of the army at EPS. I'm literally driving from Georgia, I-95 up to New York. I call, I, I call an investigator, start my investigation and my processing. And like three days later, I was in the academy in three months. Like I didn't even, I didn't have a time to even take a breath. Like I hit the ground. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went right <laughs> into the police academy. July of 06, I was in the academy. That's crazy fast. So retrospective, looking back, it's, it was awesome. You know, like what's the point of hanging out for like a year and a half to, you know, like. Mm-hmm. No, you know, yeah. Just, and get, like, just get in it. Especially after your second deployment where you know you you saw a lot more combat and you mm. saw a lot more loss of life like on my first deployment it it happened to be at the very end of my enlistment mm. i was stop loss for like six or eight months of my deployment and it was just enough so I, th- yeah. I think like you get to that point where it's like you you got to make a decision what's going to be best for like the long run. Like you experienced yeah. it, you did your part, you were part of defending our country post nine 11. And now it's time to get, get out and do something else. So I think it's cool that you found like a transition so fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, I think it helps because a lot of people that get out, they have a, a long transition period and mm-hmm. they either, they either get in trouble and, you know, because, you know, end up in jail because they start drinking or doing something stupid or, or, you know, where you, you didn't have the chance to, you know, you were straight into something else with a whole new career. Law enforcement too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, no, I- and not, not to take away either because like, you know, most of us come back from these deployments and like it takes a little bit to sink in and Mm. it's usually like our family and our friends that notice that we've changed and we're suffering Mm. from ptsd yet we don't know that ourselves so you went straight from you know being in combat to weeks later being in a police academy essentially yeah, yeah. and then becoming a police officer take us through that so yeah so it, it's it's pretty wild that's the one thing I, I like it's like i had the experience of being in the military seeing combat doing all that and then being boom right into the police department and then seeing how you know the police department was and um you know it, it, it's very interesting you know like my different like my different uh opinions and points of views on everything so the one thing, like, I'm very fortunate, you know, like a lot of the baggage you have from, you know, that's the one thing about the military is, you know, you have a traumatic event like that you would have in America. And, you know, America, you, you know, like in America, people are usually, you know, they only um, have tra- have like a traumatic event and then they have a long time to get over it. You know, where in the military is like your friends just got killed. All right, cool. All right, going on a mission. Boom. All right, you just killed somebody. All right, boom. You're back on a mission. You know, like I had some mm-hmm. engagements and like, you know, like you're rolling out. Like I got blown up by an IED point man. I got a purple heart and, um, you know, I got stitched up. It wasn't bad, you know, whatever. And um, I was on mission again that night. Yep. You know, you're back like, on mission. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to my ex-wife and she's like, what's wrong with you? And I didn't want to tell her. I had like, you know, the 3M uh, earplug in my ear because my eardrum blew out. <laughs> and, and yeah. Like, back, what's wrong? The ones yeah. that work so well. It's so funny. Yeah. I got, so, but like you have those traumatic experiences and then like you don't have any time to catch up or make sense of it all. So what do you call it? I'm trying to like circle back to what was I even talking about? But, um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so now coming into the police department. So I have all that crazy stuff 
and I'm going right into the police department. The thing that I, I figured out and like, I, you know, it's, I think it's good advice if anybody wants to listen to it is that, you know, like you're coming into a new world. Nobody cares about what you did. Like, you know, like you need to, you, you know, do achieve the next, the next thing in your life. You need to just, you know, be quiet, see what's up and, you know, take what you learn and, you know, how professional you are and everything like that and just apply it to what you did. You know, like I know a lot of people, they come out with chip on their shoulder, like, you know who I am? Nobody cares. You know, you could be nobody like, gives a fuck. Nobody gives did. a shit. And, it, it, you know, you know, the people that matter do care, but most people don't. And if you you, you understand that, I think you'll be more successful. You know, like you, everybody wants to know what you did. What's the last thing you did? You know, so I mm. went to, I went to the police academy. I remember like I was taking a physical fitness test to get in. And I'm right next to a Fallujah Marine, the fucking Phantom Fury Marine. <laughs> that guy, you know, like those Phantom Fury guys. So we're standing there and they're yelling at us like, you're going to be on a foot post wearing 14 pounds of gear. And we're like, look at each other like, what the fuck? That's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing. That's, that's, like, that's not even my assault pack, you know? But like, yeah. you can't, you're not, but like, but you're in their world. You're in the NYPD mm, yeah. land. Yeah. Like, you know, like nobody gives a fuck that, you know? So you just, okay, no problem. 14 pounds and you fucking move on. So... Mm. I went through the academy like everybody, you know, like everybody else and just freaking, you know, put my nose down and made it through. And then I was out on the street in January, you know, into a, a, a pretty good precinct, you know, had a lot of violence and stuff and uh, began being a police officer on the street. And that was a whole nother experience. Okay. And then, and then, so you went from police officer and then you were saying, like I said, like you said before, you you didn't even know like a sketch artist was a thing like g talk about that like how'd you how'd you find out about that like how did that all happen so you know like i was talking before my dad drew and everything so obviously you know i got like the artistic bug from him and i always drew as a hobby and i love drawing i loved art i took you know art in, in high school never did anything in college with it and um that was it but i always drew as a hobby you know and kept up on top of it and um flash forward i'm in the, i'm a regular cop on the street you know i did midnights i'm doing patrol you know answering 911 calls and stuff i started doing other stuff too in the precinct and um i'm getting see there's one thing about the nyp there's so many units and so many different opportunities there's like scuba mm -hmm. emergency service there's highway i mean it's nypd it's like it's, it's like one of the biggest <laughs> Thirty-three thousand. it's huge never never heard of it never yeah <laughs> never. i've never heard of new york so, what's that <laughs> so I read it. I was, I, I did an interview with uh, Tom Brokaw for American Movie Classics, and there was a bunch of people there. And one of my friends was um, was talking to him, and, and the guy came up to me. He's like, Oh, you can draw? I'm like, Yeah, I could draw. My music, like, your voice says you could draw really well. I'm actually friends with this detective over in the sketch artist unit. You know, I'll give him a call, and you should go down there and see what's up, see if there's a position or anything. I'm like, All right. So he gave me a phone number. I called this one detective, uh, Juan Perez, great first grade detective. And um, he's like, yeah, come on down. So he brought, he's like, come down with your portfolio and we'll set up a drawing test and we'll see what's up. So I went down there with my little crappy portfolio. <laughs> I shoved it together and he's looking at my stuff. He's like, all right, stuff's pretty cool. Okay. He's like, all right, you got to come and take the drawing test. So I did a drawing test and the drawing test was pretty rugged. Like I was sweating. Like, that's it. Like you shit the bed there. It's over for you. I did well. And he's like, man, yeah, you know, I like it. You got a lot of talent. He's like, unfortunately, um, you have to wait for me to retire. It's a three man unit. So I had to wait for him to retire. So this is 2011. So I went back, you know, I was back in the precinct just doing, you know, regular police stuff. And I waited. He finally retired in the end of 2014 and they picked me up in January. So that was like one of the happiest days of my life. <laughs> but um, what, so I, so what, I went to, talk about that. What did that entail? Like, 
So being a sketch what artist, what did you do? Being a sketch artist is pretty wild. It's just like a just a really good job. And um, so I fell into the I fell into the uh, under the detective bureau, you know, the NYP. So I was on track to get my detective shield and within eighteen months. So I went there and they started, you know, like started training me on how to do different stuff. They showed me like, you know, the FBI books and different ways to do it. It's all like self-taught with inside the unit and, you know, how to interview people and stuff like that. Because like we deal with like crazy crimes, you know, homicides, rapes, all, you know, sexual assaults, all wild stuff. And um, that was it. And then I got my first case like three months later after I got there. And um, that was it, you know, just case after case after case for the eight years I was there. You know, and I got this, you know, it was really cool. I was able to use my talent that I never thought I would ever use for anything, really. And be, using it to help people, you know, help say, uh, help detectives in the street, you know, solve crimes and stuff like that. Be a, be a tool for the NYPD. And then, like, seeing my artwork out there on the news, you know, on Fox News, CNN, you know, MSNBC, you know, New York One. You see my, my art was, like, everywhere. And then, like, when they actually catch the guy, you know, for some of these high-profile cases and stuff. So very rewarding and it's a total different type of thing from everything else I was doing in my life to that point. It was a big change. Very rewarding. Yeah, that's yeah. that's crazy, man. Bring so. up bring up his page. I, I want yeah, to I was, see I was, I was waiting <laughs> yeah, for him I, to, I was waiting for him to be done talking and I was gonna bring it up. So okay. so and then talk about Battle Tribe, because that's your company. <laughs> yep. That, yep. That 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 drawing behind you is one you did. Yep. Yeah, okay. But um so yeah, so you know, I'm not really great with social media and I had one of my friends I used to work with, he was always like, Hey, you gotta you know, Instagram's a great, you know, asset and a great resource to get your artwork out there to show people and everything. So I was like, All right, cool, cool. So I started slowly doing it. So in twenty eighteen I started putting a lot of my artwork up there and I was like, you know, I should make a you know, a lot of people are like, well, I should make a brand, like an umbrella that would signify, you know, like what I'm doing. Like I could release all my artwork underneath this, this title. So I was trying to come up with a title and I came up with the title battle tribe, you know, because, you know, everybody's very tribal. Everyone wants to belong to like a group and like, you know, who's, who's more tighter than the people you go to battle with. So it, at first it sounds a little corny, but like now it's like battle tribe. I see people like battle tribe, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's become a thing. So that's it. And it just started exploding. And um, I've got to do a lot of cool art and a lot, work with a lot of cool, you know, people and companies and other brands. And um, it just list goes on and on. And, and I just, it's, it's a real infectious bug to create. And um, it's just been fun, you know, and that's what I do full time now since I've retired. So yeah, that's awesome, man. Very cool. I, I, and I take it you're a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. Yep. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of, a lot of pop culture. And now that I'm retired, I've been introducing different, um, you know, cases and stuff that I worked on back in the, yeah. back in the day. Yeah. I've, I've seen a couple of those. I've seen a couple yeah. of those that you've been There's doing recently. So many. It's like endless. Like every it's, you know, it sounds a little corny, but every sketch, every is a story. It, it's a hundred percent true. Like mm -hmm. every one of those drawings I've done has had a, you know, it's a person that has a story, you know, and, um, very interesting stuff. You know, I've done so that's another thing too, is, you know, I'm a regular dude and I've had my, been able to help out in some amazing, like larger than life cases, cold cases. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, like a, the last one I really had that was like on the way out before I retired was a, a homicide from 1976 that got solved. And my drawing wow. was able to help, you know, help the detectives on the ground doing all the work to, you know, help bring this guy to justice and they catch the murder and he just went to jail, 
you know, 76 years old. He, he murdered this dude and cut him up and buried him in his backyard. You know, Damn. being a part of being a part of that's very rewarding. Damn. What's your, what's your most memorable? Oh, what are you going to say, Rob? Go ahead. I was going to say what, so how does it essentially work compared to like what we see in the movies? You know what I mean? Like, like with, with the sketch artist, because you're, you're sitting down with someone and you're interviewing them. Take us, take us through it. Maybe even take us through if you're allowed to discuss it. Yeah. That case of, of getting, getting that murder well, that, taken that, off the street that case is like a whole that's a bit it's a i'll give you like the standard like generic story of like the case yeah the bread the bread and butter of the, of the sketch artist is composite sketch we bring a victim of a crime in we sit down talk to him have a rapport with them and we interview mm-hmm. them and find out what you know have them describe the person and a lot of people you know they have problems describing it's hard you know because a lot of these criminal it, a crime happens so fast and but a lot of them are traumatic so they their image of that person is burned into their into their brain. So it's like the way we try to draw it out. So we, we talk to them, we interview them, then we show them photos. We always have mug shots of like like perps from the 80s and 70s, you know, based on race and age. And they look at them like the reason why we use really old photos is they're great for detail, but also too, it's like there's no chance that the person's in there, you know, because it's you know 40 years old or whatever. So we have them pick out features that they like, eyes, nose, lips, shape of the face along with the descriptions and based on anything that they had told us in the interview, we put it together, they hang out, we draw it in secret, we reveal the drawing to them. And they, they, then they tell us how crappy it is now. Like they, they tell us like, you know, what they like, what they don't like. And we go back and forth, you know, and I've had sketches where I flipped it around like, that's exactly, don't change a thing. It's exactly how the guy looks with, you know, and that's always a great thing because like you, you have to really listen to them, you know, and also too, if they're not comfortable, they might miss a detail, a scar or a tattoo or something, something out of the ordinary that would help nail that perp. So we do that. We get the drawing to the, to the best we can thumbs up and um, we get it and it gets, you know, distributed to detectives released in the media, put on water posters on Instagram, social media, the news, and um, it gets out there. And then, you know, we wait and the detectives on the ground who are the real, you know, the, the hardworking guys and gals that get out there and make it happen. But um, and then they bring the guy to justice and, then you know, they get them and they start the whole thing. But very rewarding. But that's pretty much that's all most of the job. And then um, the other stuff I do is I do like uh, DOA, dead on arrival identification. Like you'll take a person who is, you know, you know, murdered. They don't know who they are. And I have to put them back together again. I've had some really, you know, really brutal cases. You know, I had a, I was actually going to post it about it today. Um, had a woman that was like brutally murdered. She was cut up. She had no arms, no legs. You know, I had to respond to the morgue. I had to draw her, you know, release it. So, and then finally somebody saw it and was able to identify her. And then they ended up oh, finding wow. out, they had to find out her roommate murdered her. Pretty wild. I had one guy that was murdered and then put in a house and set on fire. So he was, you know, horrifically disfigured. Damn, crazy stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. So then, yeah. And then the cold cases, you know, like the one I was just talking about where they bring you with this evidence and stuff and you have to put a face to it as best you can. And then they use that as, um, to help try to solve it. But that's a long shot, but then why people, especially when it's it. like 30, 40 years old. Yeah. Like that case is, you want to hear about that case or? Yeah, of course. Yeah, man. yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so that case. So the backstory is in 2019, right before the apocalypse, right? Before, <laughs> um, a woman was going to ther- her therapist and was like, 
she remembered, she recalled her stepdad came home with bag, um, garbage bags and asked her to help bury him in the backyard. And there were, there were human remains in there. So the, the therapist is like, yo, you got to call the cops. So she calls the police. Detectives get involved and um, they're like, oh, you know, so they find out it's totally legitimate. They find out her old address. They get warrants. They talk to the new, na- uh, the new owners. They bring a cadaver dog in, hits right away. They dig up the backyard. They find human remains of this of this person. They do a DNA test. Nothing comes up on criminal, you know, any criminal records or anything. They end up doing um, genealogy, familiar DNA, and they find out five family members scattered throughout the country. And they're like, oh, we had an uncle and um, he was in his 80s and he went missing back in 1976. So they find that. So they, they come to me, I get the phone call and they're like, we have five relatives. We have a missing report of what the guy Wade looked like and everything like that. Can, can you take the photos of the relatives and the, um, what do you call it, the missing report and the DNA report? You know, the DNA is like, you know, white male, all this types of stuff. And can you put it together and make a person, you know? So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, pretty tall order, but I'm not going to say <laughs> say no. We'll make it happen, Holy you know? <laughs> so I put together, like, I think about 30 drawings of him. Beard, no beard, you know, you know, hair, this, that, all different variations on him to give to him. Mm-hmm. They show the they show the niece and niece is like that one right there looks very close. All right, boom. So they start. That night, a family member finds an old photo, the only photograph of this gentleman from 1918 in his World War One uniform. So you take all that work, <laughs> throw it out, and like, can you just can you uh, age progress this photo? So that's another thing that we do too is we take old pictures and we age progress them. So based on his weight and all the different descriptions on the missing report, I age progress them. They use the drawing. They're able to get a bunch of witnesses and um, that put him at the scene. And what happened was he went to go get a haircut after hours and was murdered by the barber. And the barber is the guy who. This, that sounds know, like some Sweeney Todd shit. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> it's funny. I made that joke and nobody knew what I was talking about. I'm just like, ah. Eh. But um, yes. Yeah, so, that's some Sweeney Todd shit. Barber so murder. They end, up, they end up arresting the murder. He's in his 70s now. And we were all supposed to go to trial and everything. And at the last second, he took a plea deal. And that was it. But um, yeah. So it was all over the media and the news and everything. And it was just like so happy to be a part of that. It was, you know, you know, a lot of cold cases. It's a shot in the dark. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, that one, you know, he's solving a murder from um, 1976 is pretty wild. But like yeah, and that guy thought he was going to get away with it, too. Like he was yeah, in so his 70s. Before all of us were born. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely he definitely murdered other people. That's just oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> that got so you know. So the thing too is um, but like also to the like if you look at the whole lineup of people involved in that case, like the head detective that I worked with, I went to homicide school with him. Guy's a stud. Like NYPD was firing on all cylinders with that case, and um, it's one of the reasons why they got him. And um, it's just just proud to be a part of it. And it was great too. It was like a really big case. I was really into. And for mm-hmm. that to be a success as I walked out the door and retired it was uh, very rewarding. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. So what's your um I was gonna ask, what's your most memorable or your favorite case you've ever worked on? Um there was one, there was so it, it's weird. It's like I've done all different types of cases, and there's been cases where I've been like, This case is gonna blow up, it's gonna be all over the place, and like nobody hears about it. But I had one case, it was um back it was like one of my first really big ones. I got a lot of notoriety for it. It was like all over the news and everything like that. 
back in 19, uh, 1976, back in uh, two, uh, 2016, there was like a rash of stranger slashings throughout New York City. It was just like, I think it was like 35 or something around there. But it was just pe random people just walking up to people and slashing their faces open. So um, the case was, it was an elderly woman. She was walking there in her neighborhood and a guy with a mask went up and slashed, almost slid her whole neck open. And um, she ended up surviving, but he ran off. So they got the knife. A guy selling textbooks in the area, like walking around, saw him run. His bandana that he was wearing to cover his face flew off. He got a full, full, um, what do you call it, look of his face. So they brought him in, and um, I did the whole sketch and everything. And the guy knew everything about this guy's face. So they released it. It's all over social media and everything. They do a big uh, press conference about it, and they end up catching the guy. And the guy is, like, dead on to the drawing. Like, the, the witness was, like, perfect. But what happened was, so the reason why it cooked off and it was such a, a big like media thing was there was a terrorist attack in France, and so they had a giant press meeting at the um, at police headquarters where I work, and um, they were talking about terrorism. So the media there is just like, oh, okay, well, okay, terrorism, terrorism. They talk for like forty minutes. So then at the end, so you have the mayor there, the police commissioner there, everybody's there, the chief of detectives. They go, um, so anyway, about slashings. And everybody perks up like, oh, shit, because that's what everybody was like really into. And um, we just so they go to the chief of detectives at the time, goes over the case and they have my sketch blown up like huge next to the perpetrator. So everybody was like, whoa. And then end up being a reporter for the Associated Press, lived right down the block from where the woman was attacked. She comes in to interview me. It got, I think it was in like 40 newspapers. It was like New York Times, Daily News, New York Post. It was all over the news and everything like that. And uh, it was really cool. It was really cool. A lot of, um, you know, accolades and uh, stuff for yeah, that case. That's crazy. Really, that's crazy, really man. So, 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 I, so, is New York as bad as for like violence? <laughs> yeah, it's it's it crimes up, man. You know, it's um, it's it's pretty bad. You know, so what are you gonna do? I had a. I yeah. was having a disagree. I was having a disagreement with somebody at a, at a function, and I just like, hey, look, Google. You can Google the stats online, you know, and you can see how <laughs> the power of Google. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like it's you know these are the numbers. You can't lie about the numbers. Right. But um, but yeah, a lot of it's unfortunate. A lot of cities have a lot of crime going on at this time. You know, it's just a, mm -hmm. just a phase. You know, the pendulum swinging yeah. is going to eventually go back the other way. Hopefully. Yeah, and speaking of crime, like I said, we were talking before the podcast about the riots and everything and that mm. you were you know on the ground and in the riots when it happened so yeah and unless there's anything rob wants to throw in we can get into that i was just gonna say take us through that like time frames and stuff yeah so i'll give you like so i was i was actually working the day it cooked off like the first one so like you know obviously everything happened in the news and like i was like ah it's what's the chance of it possibly coming to new york and it, it came but i come into work and it, it you know i work at police headquarters so it was like early in the morning maybe like nine ten it was you know like in a, you know the zombie movies when everybody's having like a regular day and something's off you know like the old ladies get it's the, too quiet <laughs> so i'm like something's wrong here i'm in the elevator everybody's whispering and shit and i'm like yeah something. so i go in my office my sergeant comes in he's like yo we all gotta go to union square there's supposed to be like a big protest riot thing going on I'm like all right so everybody so everybody starts getting their helmets and their riot gear and stuff like that and their bats and everything. So we all go out there and, um, you know, we're hanging out there and it's like, it's like 
like a like a beautiful day and um i think it was it was i think it was like may or june and june so i remember my wife's texting me i'm like there's nothing going on i don't know what's going on and there's like you know some homeless guy panhandling in the street hanging out there and um nothing's going on and i'm that's it and then all of a sudden i hear like loud noise raw like you just hear a roar of the crowd coming the little panhandler guy is running for his life and this whole <laughs> mass of people come and um you know not going into all the gory details but they're coming through nobody's violent or anything but they're all screaming and yelling you know dealing with that we follow them up for a couple streets um other units move in start affecting arrests we're involved in that so now it's it, like that just encompasses like encompasses the whole day so now it's getting laid out it's probably like midnight or whatever and it's starting to rain and whatever the a lot of the protesters that were left kind of was just left and um you so you know like oh we haven't eaten all day so we start grabbing a bite we're eating it and stuff and I'm like oh we're gonna get cut loose this is like the end of it like, this is nothing so a captain comes up to us and he's like yo unfortunately guys i got bad news and we're like what what's going on and he's like you guys are going to be arrest teams stuff starting to cook off in brooklyn we're going to go stage back in Union Square and you just wait there for us to let, you know, and I'll let you know where you guys got to go. So we're all like, I was with a, with a sergeant and a buddy and we're all in the car and uh, we're all bummed out. Like, eh, you know, whatever it is, what it is. So we start to go drive there and then over the radio on Citywide, we hear them screaming. It sounded like the end of the world. Like, They're coming in the precinct. So one of the precincts was getting attacked. Like they were going in there. So I look at my sergeant, my sergeant's like kind of like dazed out. I'm like, yo, we got to go there fucking now, bro. We got to go yeah. there now. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. Boom. Yeah, we freaking go there. We get, you know, get there. They were trying to see, they were trying to get into the precinct. They got, you know, report back and um, everything, you know, it was there, was involved with that. And um, it was pretty, pretty wild, man. And that was the night, like the fame, you've probably seen it, the famous photo of the uh, NYPD van caught on fire and stuff. So like yeah. that happened right over there. So, um, you know, there's yelling and screaming. Did I think I was going to die? No. But I'll tell you the one thing, though, is like the one scary thing was like it was airmail, like people throwing shit off the roofs and stuff like you could get hit with something and be really fucked up. But um, mm. so, so we were just battling out there and um, going to. So they have a code. It's called 1013, like an emergency. So we were just responding all over the place to that. We actually we, we left that precinct that was getting, you know, they were trying to get into. It kind of quieted down there. There's police cars smashed up, spray painted. Like our, our car miraculously didn't get hit. Like you go down the line, it's like smash, smash, you know, graffiti, this and that. And then our cars are sitting there pristine. We're like, so we made it. As we leave the precinct to go somewhere else, we hear them yell on the radio. They just threw a Molotov cocktail at a police car. You know, these two individuals in a minivan just fled. They caught them quick. They caught them within like two or three minutes. They're like, we got them surrounded, you know, like just mayhem. We went back on the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, there were protesters going across the Brooklyn Bridge into Manhattan. So we had to circle back around. As we're driving, all this chaos, I saw the flatbed um, tow truck had that the fame, that um, NYPD van that was set on fire. They, I mean, I think got set on fire. They put it out instantly. And then like they, they flatbedded it and got it the hell out of there. But you could see like the freaking carcass of the, of the van and stuff. And, people screaming and throwing stuff everywhere. So, but then, uh, so we were out there into the early morning and um, just pretty wild and the rain came down and they cut us loose and then we just went. And then it was like that for the whole summer, you know, like every couple of days you'd be back out there, you know, just figuring out where the next riot was going to take place, but it was just all over. But the one thing that was very fortunate about the, the NYPD, it's, 
it's such a big agency. Like you have the manpower to deal with all that. Like I really feel bad for a lot of the other police departments that just don't, they don't have the size. You know, like NYPD is 33,000 strong. So the second biggest is Chicago with 11,000 strong. And I think Jeez. then third is LA is like 8,000 strong, 9,000 strong, if you correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. But um, the NYPD had the manpower to deal with that and the assets and the units and everything like that. So they did the best they could. But um, they still like, you know, a lot of places got destroyed, you know, like uh, the village, Soho, all that, you know, different parts of Brooklyn. But um, just definitely a wild year to live through. And it just it just never stopped. Well, especially in, like you said, you know, what go you guys had the manpower to deal with it all. Yeah. I mean, because imagine if you guys were half the manpower that you had, you know, it would have been yeah. 10 times worse. Yeah. It's just sad because, like, the people that really suffer is just the, the regular run of the, you know, everyday civilian, mm-hmm. you know, person. You know, the person has a store, you know, their whole life's invested in that little business, and then people come smash through it. And they're just, yeah. they're just yeah. left, you know, it's just, but, um, you know, it's amazing. That's what two, it's like three years ago. It's crazy, right? Yeah, it was it was chaos. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're one of our first guests that that lived through it. Um, because I, I have a couple buddies I served with that are LAPD, mm-hmm. and the amount of things he's told me and and like competence or confidence is just like. He doesn't even want to talk about it right now or at least, you know, a year ago, two years ago, because it it was rough. And I I think like the difference is, is, is it comes down to what you kind of touched on the manpower, because, you know, California has a lot of people riding out there, too. And, you know, if they're like the third biggest, that's, you know, it's not the same numbers. And like, I don't know, just hats off yeah. honestly to to you guys like we're we're big supporters of of any of the 911 services out there from paramedics to firefighters and then definitely our police officers so yeah and especially in like new york because that's where shit pops off like if anything yeah. big happens <laughs> it's either either happens in california or new york like yeah <laughs> man no it's um it, it's pretty wild too like the one thing about being a police officer and like the military is like the military, you go overseas and you see all that chaos and murder, death, mayhem, and you expect it. And then when you come to, when you come back home where it's safe, you know, and you see it, it's really, mm. it's like, it's a little off putting. You're like, wow, you know, like it could get really crazy here. You know, like nothing's safe. It's yeah. And it's scary. different when it's your home. Yeah. Like if it's happening at your home, it's way yep. different than going overseas somewhere and happening because you get to return to your home where yeah. you know, it's violence free. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, like, so, so you, you just retired, you said, right? Yeah. December 31st. That was it. Oh, wow. oh you just, so re- real recent. So what, yeah. what made you decide to retire? Um, you know, um, what do you call it? It was like, there wasn't really, it didn't, it, seemed like there was going to be any more like i i did a lot had a great time and mm-hmm. it was just kind of like time to for the next chapter and stuff you know battle okay, tribe was okay, really yeah. battle tribe was really good and um i kind of accomplished everything i wanted to and um you know i was just like you know what else is there for me to do to grow and this and that and i was like you know this it's the end this is i've done what i've wanted to do what's next and uh you know having the freedom now and stuff and be able to take on put more effort into my my own projects and art i think is a good move 
Yeah, man, that's that's awesome, man. Like I said, okay. And then the other thing I want that we like to touch on is the mental health side. And so from going from, I mean, from dealing with all these cases from, I mean, being in the military and, you know, dealing with deaths of friends and, and then going to, you know, the police force and dealing with people, you know, who have, you know, terrible stories or terrible situations, what do you do so you don't like you don't bring that home with you or you don't let that affect your you know your daily life your family life or whatever um i you know i think one important thing is have hobbies have something you like to do you know like that motion that you know you know the keep swimming motion kind of thing i think is so mm. important i think if you just lay around and just let things go and you're, you're not really active and you're not you know immersed with other people and stuff like that i think it's a dark place for people to go and you know we've all had our dark moments and stuff um i also too what is it um what do you say staying positive obviously i think another thing too is like there's a lot of a lot of resources out there so if there was any point in my life you know after the military where i like like fuck i really need help i you know i i know i could reach out to somebody you know whether it was a va service or it was a law enforcement service like there was just knowing that in case it got too tough got really bad you know i could raise my hand take a time out and you know take care of what i have to do but um also too you know having responsibility you know like you know i was married at a young age and um had a newborn kid so that that always motivated me like you know i need to stay in the fight and keep going for the you know because i have people depending on me and stuff so mm. i just you know staying positive and and you know keep moving is uh i think a really good uh thing definitely you know because i I mean and a lot everybody talks about like you know veteran suicide and but i mean first responders go through the same thing yeah and we just had one too yeah with cops like i think we've had like three or four this year already you know yeah it happens it it doesn't get talked about enough enough though like everybody Mm -hmm. talks about veteran suicide and everything but nobody yeah nobody talks about you know cop suicide or first responder suicide or anything else because everybody focuses on veteran suicide you know well, i mean not to take away from it but you no. know but nobody talks about the people that fight the battles every single day at home yeah yeah you know what it is is like just checking on your friends and stuff you know, like, oh, 100%. I, know I know it sounds a little corny oh check but it's, it's important you know hey what's up man you're good you're like, everything all right man you know like yo you need anything you know, I've had some really crazy phone calls in the past with different people and stuff. And, um, you know, sometimes that one little phone call, that one little person reaching out or saying something really, you know, save a life, you know, change something around. But, um, you know, take care of everyone. Also, like, you know, just be kind to people, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes, you, you know, people oh, get yeah. rugged and it, you know, it might be the tipping point. So, but yeah, especially in your situation, like people are going through horrific, you know, circumstances and all you can do is just try to be nice. So like try to be compassionate with like mm-hmm. what they're going through. You know, the last thing you want to do is be an asshole to them and hit their tipping point And then who knows what they're going to do. Yeah. No, hundred percent. You know, but it's not easy, but yeah, you, you know, you have to do it. You know? mm. so, but yeah, no, like, um, like I said, man, yeah, like I said, we're thankful for everything you do and right. everything law enforcement does and, you know, military veterans, everybody. I mean, like I said, we, this nation wouldn't be running without, you know, you guys doing what you do. So. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. You got anything dad, Rob? I was just going to ask, um, tell us more about 
your current endeavors with Battle Tribe. So, so um, yeah, Battle Tribe. So I, I came up with a brand so I can just release stuff. So I, yeah, I found out a way, you know, to monetize my art, get it out there and stuff. And um, I've just been doing tons of projects. Like um, currently, right now, I'm working on a couple. I'm doing some artwork for a couple companies, and um, I'm actually doing a. This is kind of cool. There's um, there's a company called Quick Draw Card Company. They're a bunch of retired Royal Marines that are in law enforcement in England. And they run like they have a card company where they make different cards. And the previous they've done decks of cards and other stuff based on military. So they're doing a, a 9-11 emergency uh, law enforcement deck. So I'm doing all the car artwork for the different cards. So I'm doing like FBI, and Coast Guard, NYPD emergency service and like all different types of things. So that's been pretty cool. But um, pretty much like the brand, though, like I just, you know, like whatever I think I want to do. I just explore that avenue and, and put it out there in the world. And, you know, people, people really eating it up, you know, from whether I do, you know, apparel design and, and I do art like canvases I have on my wall and stuff. And it's just, it's really, it's a lot of fun, you know, seeing people interact. I make, I've been doing animations and like little clips and it's just like all different types of nerd culture, art, pop stuff that I wanted to do and people are enjoying it. So I just keep going, but, um, really cool i've gotten to do working with a lot of cool companies i work with cry precision and um, i did a couple some art for black rifle coffee and I, i've just done different stuff all over the place met a lot of cool people in the community so you know the veteran community and the law enforcement community is a great great group of people oh yeah i mean that's awesome man i mean you know being able to monetize your artwork and do what you yeah. love and you know with you know not having to worry about like well you know, do I have to continue this job or just to make ends meet? You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the one thing that's cool too is like being an artist, a lot of companies have to hire out, you know, so that's mm -hmm. a big toll. So if you have like a great idea, you know, you have to invest in that idea. You have to hire an artist, this and that. So like me, I, I cut that cost by being a creative person through, you know, through all of it. And, um, you know, if I have a bad idea, it just goes away. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, right? It's, 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 you're not wasting money. <laughs> it doesn't cost me thousands of dollars. But, right um, but there's um there's a lot and there's a lot of you know it's so there's a large community of veteran artists out there which is really cool mm -hmm. you know from musicians to you know art itself and everything the um the one thing that's cool too is like i don't know this is my preference i like art and things that are produced that have like a background to it so like you know like you see the movie platoon it's a fucking mm -hmm. awesome movie right it's because the director you know whatever whatever you think about him but he served in Vietnam, you know, he was with uh, first ACR or something like that. Um, but like, what, what's the, what's his name? Oliver Stone, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, so there, there's just a, a very genuine element to that, what he made because he had that military combat experience in the background. So like when you see some of my artwork, you know, even though it's fantastical or crazy or whatever, like there's some, there's some grounded, you know, there's something in there, you know, from my life experience that I brought to you. And I just think that, and I've seen it, other artists do it and stuff, and I think it's a really cool, different take and very interesting, you know, than just, than just somebody that said, like, oh, I read a book and I wrote, you know, I drew something, you know. Or, right. That's like, and know. that's just like movies, you know, or TV shows that try to, you know, predict or, you know, or depict, like, you know, military or law enforcement. You know, they either get it right or wrong, and, you yeah. know, you know, depending on who they have on. 
that's the thing that sucks too. Is like you're in the military or you're in law enforcement, and you it destroys like ninety five percent of the movies out there. You're like, oh, this movie's horrible. Yeah, they did this right. They did uh, this wrong. Like a lot of police movies are hard, man. Like, oh, I can't watch this. This is my bad. Thing, my, <laughs> the only police police movie that I absolutely love that I'm sure you have good fans on is end end of watch. That's why I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, that movie is so an emotional roller coaster, though. Yeah, no, nah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. It is. It's a oh. great movie. That's like one of the best yeah. cop movies out there, though. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's funny though. Was um, what was the other Training Day? That's what. Training... <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, Training Day. Training Day is a classic. No, nah, it's classic. Isn't, isn't that what so happens? Fun. No, no. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. That's like. That's like... <laughs> Shoot me in the chest. <laughs> No, it's like it's like the other the other guys, right? Yeah, you know, you, you, you do desk pops, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You make the rookies come in, yeah. Just do a desk yep. pop, come on. The other guys, the other guys. That's definitely that's what I said. How. Definitely, yeah. exactly. I yeah. love that movie too, but it's NYPD. It's, it's great. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was your day yeah. job, right? You just did desk pops, make the rookies yep. come in. Yep. Die hard, hundred percent. That's why I'm, 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 that's the main reason why I'm proud to be an NYPD detective is because uh, uh, John, John McClane was an NYPD detective. Yep. You know, yep. Even though it was filmed like LA. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was vacationing. He was vacationing. I know. Yeah. For, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Like I said, it's it's funny. So, but so, and unless there's anything else you want to bullshit about, Rob, or I mean, I just I like the fact that you you've been through a lot of traumatic stuff over the years, and you found a way to give back almost you know with mm-hmm. your your artwork and stuff and uh i just like that you found a way to retire from both because like even though you technically didn't retire from the military you you left that life behind and one of the things that i've noticed over the years and part of the reason why this podcast even exists is due to the fact that personally i've had a lot of friends kill themselves over the years and i feel like those who find a niche that goes beyond the military Mm. or beyond whatever is um going on in their post-military life that still could be very stressful such such as police work detective work um homicide work all the things that you were experiencing you know, post getting out of the military, jumping right into another stressful thing. I think the ones that that stay focused on it and that's all they have to talk about and that's all that they are and that's all that they define themselves at, find themselves in that point where it's almost a point of no return and, and we end up losing those people. Whereas there's people like you, Matt, who who get out and Yes, you have the experience. Yes, you probably have the nightmares. Yes, you probably have the PTSD. But you're you're doing something that is benefiting others and it's benefiting your mental health and the essence that you're going to be around to to try, you know, try to watch your kids grow up and, you know, it's just it's inspiring. And um yeah, I'm just I don't know. Like I I'm very happy you came on the podcast. I guess is what I'm getting at. I appreciate it. You know, yeah. You know, you know what it is is like. Don't let it define you. It's an awesome chapter in your life. But mm-hmm. like, what's the next thing you're gonna do? You owe it to yourself, your family, your mm-hmm. friends. Like, you know, just got to keep moving, man. 100%. You know, 
it's um but so. that's the issue though is like we have like many people get out and they let them they let that define them they're like oh i was in the military that's all i'll ever be you know what i mean mm-hmm. I, yeah. now i'm a veteran and i was in the military that's all I'll ever, I'll ever be you know and they don't like like you said you didn't have the time to distinguish you just jumped right into something else yeah you know, yeah. and like you said, you just got to keep busy. Like find, like you said, find a hobby, find find something that you're passionate about, and so you not you don't just become oh I was, I'm just a veteran. I was just I was in the military. Yeah. That's all I've done with my life. Well, like, that's find something else. Yeah, that's another thing too. It's like just saying you know, saying you're a veteran doesn't cut it. Like you have to like you know like oh that guy's a, I'm a veteran. Like you, you got to sh- you know okay you're a veteran then be professional clean, you know clean cut. You know the person mm-hmm. that you know the that everyone's like, why is this guy so squared away? Oh, he fucking did you know four hundred combat missions, two tours, did this, did that. You know, mm-hmm. like oh shit, you know, like that's something later on. That be you know who you mm-hmm. need to be. You know, like don't walk in with your chip on your shoulder. You know, show them the best you can possibly be. You know, right. don't so. use it as an excuse to yeah. you know. So, but yeah, no, like like I said, we definitely appreciate you coming on, and like I said, you have a. You have an you know an amazing story and it's different from you know most people that we've had on you know so it's a different point of view from everybody i mean i think you're like the third third or fourth cop we've had on here so oh, cool very cool but like i said no one's but they haven't been you know sketch sketch artists or <laughs> there's, only, you know? there's only like a, i think there's, when i came on when i got into the artist unit there was only like a hundred in the country i had like a list Jeez. you know i'd say about 20 percent of them were civilians and stuff so the mm. NYPD has, that's how like insane the NYPD is. It's like we had three, you know, yeah. like. Well, I mean, it's also the NYPD, I, I, you know. Three, yeah, three <laughs> out of a hundred. But like, I would, I would actually do cases for other agencies too, like, you know, scattered around and stuff. So, but um, no, it was very cool. You know, very prestigious unit, very fortunate, lucky, you know, to make it in there and um, be able to help out, you know, exp- do my art and everything, you know. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So, okay. Well, and what's there anything else, Rob? Um, we'll get into ATI. The only thing I wanted to mention is uh, the reason why I'm wearing a Murph shirt. No, oh, he's from Long Island. Um, right. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But um, typically, you know, I'll do the Murph in May when mm. it's Memorial Day weekend or whatever. And I, I even did the Murph with a shattered ankle mm on crutches and last a walker year. and wow. stuff last year. Yeah. Wow. I shattered my ankle in like April last year. And then by the time May rolled around, I was able to like use like a walker and I did mm-hmm. like a modified Murph. Well, one of my asshole friends uh, decided <laughs> to like put out a challenge. He's like doing like pre Murphs. And it was one of those things that like you ever get tagged in something, but you see so many tags. You're like, whatever yeah i got tagged in this but so did like twenty thousand other people the problem was in the challenge when he started talking he's like and the first person i challenged to do a murph this week is rob zemsick i'm like fuck he said my <laughs> name like right at the beginning like i'm not even the second person that, I'm not oh, the third he... or fourth person. like i'm not just the stupid little name hidden in there no i'm like the first name he says and i'm the first name that he added and i'm like Fuck, uh. now i gotta do a murph <laughs> so i originally planned to do the murph today forgetting that i actually had tomorrow off 
but it was going to cut it like super close to um your uh your interview matt so <laughs> postpone the murph i appreciate drank it. <laughs> whis- drank whiskey with you guys hung out <laughs> and, then and then you're gonna do it tomorrow <laughs> i'm gonna do it tomorrow and post about tomorrow so yeah i just wanted to no, good bring stuff. up why i was wearing yeah i saw shirt. it it's um yeah the town i grew up in he was from okay. the, town, the town next over. I actually met his mother at the, the VA hospital. I was getting a new Holy ID shit. card. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a pretty That's wild cool. moment. So yeah, I went to get a new ID card. So I'm sitting there, and she's like, "Oh, you know, you know, did you know you went over there?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I went there twice." And she's like, "You know, thank you so much for your service." I'm like, "Oh, I really appreciate that." She's like, "No, no, 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 no. Thank you for your service. It means a lot to me." I lost my son over there. He was a Navy SEAL, and as soon as she said that, I'm like. It's def- I'm like, are you Mrs. Murphy? And she's like, yes, I am. I'm like, you know, thank Holy you. Holy you know. Yeah, it was like, it was, it was definitely a, a wild moment. Very sad. You're like, you're like everybody well, knows like, who your son I'm is. Like, I know. I'm like, uh, like, I'm like uh, sacrificing yeah. a lot, you know. But um, they actually have a museum there now. I haven't gone to it yet. I think it's the Michael Murphy Museum in Patrick, New York. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, pretty wild. That's Small crazy. world. And that was 2005. That was years ago. That was, yeah. Yeah. Lifetime ago at this point. Half our lives almost and most of Austin's life. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like did you did you think, Rob, that Iraq was gonna be over like I thought it was gonna be a flash in the pan, and that was it. Like that thing went on forever and then Afghanistan just went on Dude, forever. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then like, you know, when when everyone pulled out of Iraq and watching it fall yeah that was very heartbreaking and then um i was an irr recall so i ended up going back into the military in uh 2009 2010 to go to afghanistan and then you know seeing that fall apart in what 2021 yeah yeah was so it like 2021 or 2020 it was, no it was last been. year right it was last year right no 21 it was, it was 21 it was 21 it was 21 it was 21 it was so depressing. It was everything was on lockdown in 2020 Oh my god! Yeah. I have two. I have two dogs. Yeah, right two, of them, right two of them. Two of them. Two wild yeah. vishas. Two wild vishas. We should probably get into ATI, but okay. I, I, I would just say, um, yeah, it's it's crazy how time keeps moving forward, and you know, you were in around the same time as me. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but we're about ready to hit like what fucking 20 years ago was you know, invasion and I you know, that's I know. insane I know. Like, literally in a, yeah <laughs> crazy did you did you know a sergeant uh jesse quinn he was a striker mm. guy he was in barbacuba i think he was a second infantry division doesn't no. ring a bell, ring a bell? No. no no there's a million people yeah no was, there's a lot of people in those units yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's it's a I shot got. in the dark sometimes yeah, sometimes you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get well. Well, Rob's <laughs> being hounded by dogs over there, so we'll get into ATI. Um, this is just would you? We always like to end these podcasts on funny, like lighthearted, fucked up questions. You know, <laughs> just because sometimes we get into some super serious things, and you know, so we always like to end this on a funny, f- fucked up, lighthearted note. I mean, we all That's run good. on dark. We all run on dark humor, and you know, so. We always like to end these with a little bit of that. So the first one is, we start off with easy ones. It says, would you rather become the president of the United States or the director of the FBI? Oh, 
Uh, what you got, Matt? Oh man, it's hard, man. I know. Uh, I, uh, they're both horrible. Uh, I yeah, I guess yo, president, let's go big. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're big both big. They're, they're both big. <laughs> One's a little bit more hidden. Yeah. 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 Nah, I, I, no, I'll, I'll be a president. Screw it. <laughs> If okay. I was king, Matt, I mean president. <laughs> Matt Klein, right? Matt Klein, president of the United States. What, 2024? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what do you got, Rob? See, <laughs> I, I think I just I couldn't handle being hated so much <laughs> right. that I think I would be the FBI director, so I can be yeah. just a little bit hidden because <laughs> it sucks. Because like at the end of the day, like you know president's just doing their job and they have their political points that they're supposed to be appointed under and mm-hmm. in the real world where the three of us kind of live <laughs> i don't feel like you know we won't go down a politics rabbit hole no, but no, I, don't we're not, like, I don't feel i don't feel like someone is just a hundred percent republican or a hundred percent democrat and you have to define yourself that way and no matter what you do whatever side you pick yeah. You are absolutely hated, like yeah. despised oh, and for, no re- for no reason. <laughs> for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, you got that flag, and I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Right. Last time I fine. checked, like the president serving America. So, like, why do you hate him so much? But, anyways, right. that's anyways. Yeah, yeah. FBI director. <laughs> How about you? I, I was I was 100% going to go FBI director just because I think it'd be more interesting, you know? Yeah. Probably have some more interesting stuff going on, and then yeah, I, I don't know if I could handle being the president man. of the United States. Man. You party hard though as a president, man. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know if I could handle. Yeah, way too much, yeah. way yeah. too much politics. At least you know media politics. At least with you know, the FBI director, you're hidden. You're more, you know. You know it's crazy though. You say something and it's fact checked. Like they're like. That's bullshit. You, you didn't say that right. 30 years ago. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So, All right. Uh, okay. Next well, question. Next up, Would you rather be able to have pizza? No, nope, you or... missed it. You fucked it oh, up already. You... Oh, my God. Would you rather <laughs> never be able to have pizza or ice cream ever again? Fuck. Tough one. I know what your I... answer is, though. What I, you got, what you got Matt? I'd rather I'd rather have not have oh, so fucking hard because I like them both. Uh, I fuck ice cream. It's not good for you. It's <laughs> pizza, but I knew it. I knew it. I, I, I knew it. Good. New York, that New Yo, York slice. Yeah, it's legit. It That's is, thing, dude. Every, I've been to New everyone. York. I've been to New York. It's legit. Like it's Yo. not like some bullshit thing. New York's a, a wacky state, and I can leave it all behind. But once you everything, I my opinion, I want to go somewhere else. But the food. It's like when you come here, everything is that, that, so That's why I'm saying you guys have good man. bagels or something there. You uh, know? I mean, <laughs> I remember being in Georgia and it's like New York style bagels. Like, I want to take that sign down. This is bullshit. I thought LA has the best bagels. I mean, come uh, on. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> what are you picking, Rob? I'm I'm sticking with pizza. I can't yeah. live without pizza. Yeah, it's so good. See, see, I'm going pizza too because there's other forms of ice cream. Like you got gelato, sorbet, frozen yogurt. Like are those because those aren't technically ice cream? Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> that's what my thought is. <laughs> okay, next one. 
would you would you rather have a family of 12 children or never be able to have children at all that's a fucked up question man <laughs> I got supposed to be. As, as a father I got, too i got three kids so i'm like <laughs> hopefully they don't listen to this uh, episode <laughs> no nah, on, yeah honestly yeah fuck it get get the fucking get the 12 kids let's go let's go um, let's it's go. cool like my kids are older like my, my son has actually joined the army he enlisted so he leaves oh wow uh, okay he leaves the end of july How, what are your thoughts on that hell yeah man yo who's gonna do it you know yeah. you know they, there's all they're having a big shortage you know people they missed their goals last year a lot of people oh, want, yeah. a lot of kids you know? nobody this generation so, doesn't want to join the military and, and I, I told my son, man, like, don't do this because I fucking did it, man. You got to, like, want this. It's, it, it's, mm. It sucks, you know. It's a lot of, you know, pain and hardship and shit like that. And he, he got It's a lot easier it. nowadays, probably. I, you know, he's, he's doing an option 40. So he's going to do, <laughs> you know, basic and AIT at Benning. And he's going to go to RASP. Mm. And, it, you know, God bless him. I hope he survives. And then, um, but, like, you know, him signing up. And he wanted to do it, like, 100%. So well, really, you know. What's he going in excited. as? Um. 11, he's going to 11 Bravo option 40. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. But um, really proud of him. And, you know, he's been working out like a motherfucker and getting ready. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's all self-initiated, you know. So that's, I yeah, that's awesome. You know, I would never push anybody that didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So, but that's an example of why it's good to have kids. <laughs> but, okay. What about you, Rob? You going 12 kids or none? 12. <laughs> 12 not? kids? Just yeah, start, that's it. start that's it. like what is that? That's over a squad. That's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like squad team. Squad squad out, and machine gun team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. My, my thought is none, just because you're gonna save a lot of money. Yeah, yeah but yeah. when they get old enough, they can start making <laughs> that money back for you. Is no. you ain't gonna see any of that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe mm, I'm Poor going man. none. Nah, that's cool. Nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, you have a lot of vacations. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. So, Last okay. uh, question. Would you rather sit on a cactus naked or pee sand? Oh, fuck, man. Yeah, I'm sitting on a cactus. <laughs> uh, oh. nothing, nothing going in my urethra, man. Oh, <laughs> that's going to hurt, though. <laughs> what do you got, Austin? Yeah, both those suck. Yeah, I'm gonna sit on a cactus. Unanimous. I'm gonna sit on a cactus too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like anything coming out the pee hole is gonna yeah. hurt. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I had a squad leader pass. He had a kidney stone, and we yeah, were yeah. basically N- the same thing. NTC. <laughs> we were out in the middle of the desert, and he was like, oh. "Yo, the guy's a fucking stud, Jack, bro." And he was like, "Oh." Like, oh yeah fuck that <laughs> okay man well that's, that's it is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to talk about matt um no just keep you know check me out on instagram you know follow my antics and crazy stuff i got a lot of cool stuff coming up um there's one um warrior's heart foundation is a charity i always you know i do a lot of donations to a lot of work for check them out um i'm trying to think i gotta always write a list of stuff um good friends of um friend of mine uh silent uh, brad thomas and a bunch of those guys they have an album coming out soon silence of light it's a veteran um run band 
very cool. I'm doing some stuff for them. They'll be coming out and um, just keep checking the Instagram. You'll see there's a lot of cool different projects I'm working on that I think you guys, whoever listens to the show, be interested in. That's pretty much it. Stay positive, right? Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, we definitely appreciate you coming on and like I said, taking the time and hanging out with us, man. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a good time, man. Of course, man. Yeah. Yeah. And stick around for a second or two. We usually get a picture at the end. Cool. All right. Um, Austin, you got anything to plug? Otherwise, I'm going to wrap us up. Nope. That's it, man. Okay. Matt, we appreciate you. And our listeners, we appreciate you as well. Please share this podcast. Please like, subscribe, follow. Do all the things to keep us moving up in the algorithm. We love you guys. Peace.